Welcome to the 151st episode of the 4th and 24 podcast with Patrick Winograd. I'm your host, Randy Winograd. In this edition of the podcast, our topics are a brief overview of Patrick's weekend predictions and a look at the NBA Conference Finals. Let's jump right in with a look at Patrick's weekend predictions, which are posted every Thursday on our website, 4thand24.com. And we will start in the NBA, where Patrick went 1-1 one one in his predictions of those Conference Finals games. Moving over to Major League Baseball, Patrick went 3-1 and one in his weekend series predictions in Major League Baseball, so he was 4-2 overall in this weekend's predictions, bringing Patrick to a 419-292 and 292 overall record, a 58.9% winning percentage. Patrick, your thoughts on your weekend predictions? Well, uh, as we know now, the Golden State Warriors won Game 5 and Miami won Game 6 in their series. I had picked Golden State to win that Game 5 and close out the series, but I did pick Boston uh, to close it out in six, um, but I'll go into the finer details of that game when we do our game-by-game recap uh, of the NBA, so not much to say about that right now, but in the MLB, I had a little bit of a bounce-back week after a disappointing end to the week last weekend. Uh, the Mets, really, I mean, I wasn't even paying attention to their to the final game of their series, even though it turned out being the best game, because they scored eight runs in the first two games of the series, to take a 2-0 series lead, uh, and then they were then they uh, they went to extra innings actually on Sunday, and got a walk off home run from rookie Nick Plummer to go up uh, to win the game five to or sorry that was to tie and then uh, Eduardo Escobar hit the game winning double in the bottom of the tenth after that Plummer home run was in the bottom of the ninth I should say, uh, and the Mets ended up actually sweeping the Phillies in that series and that's what I picked. Um, and speaking of walk-offs, the Padres got a walk-off home run from Trent Grisham uh, off the foul pole in extra innings also uh, to take two of three from the Pirates. That was a series that I didn't really want to pick, but I was left with no other options because all the other series were really bad. And, uh, you know, there just weren't a lot of close ones this weekend because of a lot of the good teams being in four-game series that started on Thursday. Um, and I don't pick four-game series just because they could end up in ties, and that's just odd, um, but because I won't have a definitive winner, obviously, um, but I, I did not expect there to be such a lack of good series this weekend, and it was really literally down to the Giants against the Reds and the Padres against the Pirates, uh, although I'm glad I didn't pick the Giants-Reds series because I obviously wouldn't pick the Reds, and I think the Reds actually did win that series <laughs> somehow, um, but yeah, the Padres got the win. It, it, it took a lot more effort than I would have thought initially to get two out of three from the Pirates. You never want to have to have a bunch of walk-offs and uh, really no no carefree games in this series. I thought they would, you know, blow them out a little bit easier, but they didn't. Um, then the Mariners actually took two or three from the Astros. They have not been great against the Astros this year or last year, uh, from what I remember, and I thought that the Astros were going to take this series, but the Mariners were able to force the worst game so far this season from Justin Verlander. Uh, on the mound in game one of the series and that's when I had kind of known that it had gone wrong because I was banking on that win and just getting one of the other two games uh, for the Astros to be a win but uh, unfortunately they were only able to convert one of the or yeah one of the other two after losing that Verlander game so they did what I thought they would do in the last two games of the series but didn't do it in the first game so that was the end of that prediction and then um, the Braves took two or three from the Marlins a lot of home runs that they hit uh, in Game 3 of the series. I don't think I really was paying attention to Game 1 or Game 2 of that series, but uh, 
the Braves, uh, they split the first two, and on the rubber match on Sunday, uh, they were able to end up winning that one 6-3. to three. So good offensive production from the Braves, six runs in both of their wins. Decent enough pitching. They gave up 4-4-3 four, four, and three the whole weekend, but obviously did lose that game. One of the games they gave up four, they, they only scored one themselves, so uh, that wasn't enough. But Max Fried pitched a good game on Sunday, and Kenley Jansen came in and closed it down, I'm pretty sure. So uh, the Braves were able to take that series win, and that brought me to 4-2 and two this week. Okay, Patrick's predictions for next weekend will be posted, as always, on our website on Thursday. Now let's turn our attention to the NBA with a look at the conference finals, starting in the Eastern Conference. In the Eastern Conference finals, the Celtics beat the Heat in a seven-game series. A, uh, I would say, an, a close series, and I was going to say entertaining, but the problem is... None of the individual games, other than Game 6 and Game 7, were in and of themselves actually entertaining. It was it, The series looks much closer on paper than it actually was, I'll say that much. While, while, teams, while the teams themselves were close, the games were not, is the best way to put it. Uh, it was a very odd series, but in Game 5, Boston won 93-80, taking a very, very crucial game on the road. That one tends to swing series when it's tied 2-2. Two Typically, the Game 5 winner goes on to win most of the time. Uh, a lot of that has to do with the fact that in the NBA, that happens to be probably the home team winning in Game 5 on their home court, and then they only need to one, win one more home game uh, to close out the series. But in this case, it was the road team, and that allowed the Boston to have a Game 6 at home and a Game 7 at home, or sorry, a Game 6 at home to win at, on their home court and a Game 7 to go back on the road and beat Miami, and we obviously know what ended up happening, but let's talk about Game 5 before we go there. Uh, No one really in particular stood out this game. Uh, Jimmy Butler played 40 minutes, but only scored 13 points on 4 of 18 shooting. Uh, Part of overall shooting woes for Miami, as as a team, they shot 32% from the field, 15% from 3, 7 of 45. Uh, Gabe Vincent had 15 points on 6 of 12 shooting, uh, Bam Adebayo had 18 points and 10 rebounds on 8 of 15 shooting. And uh, other than that, in Jimmy Butler's very inefficient 13, the only other guy in double figures was Duncan Robinson with 11 points on uh, three made threes on 4 of 12 shooting. So overall, a very, very, very bad offensive night uh, for the Miami Heat. And, uh, they, you know, they, did, they even did a, an okay job at limiting turnovers, but... They really made it pretty easy for the Celtics. I mean, 93 points is not even that much for this team, but no one about on the Celtics scored above 25 points. They only had four players in double figures, but that was all they needed because the Heat were that minuscule on offense. Um, Al Horford had 16 points on 5 of 8 shooting. Tatum had 22, 12, and 9 on 7 of 20 shooting. Uh, Jalen Brown had 25 points on 10 of 19, so good numbers for them. And Derek White had 14 points and 5 assists on 6 of 8 shooting. Uh, but, you know, good numbers overall for them, but they only shot 30% from three as a team, 10 to 33, uh, and they shot 46.5% from the field, which is a good percentage, but it shot 74% from the free throw line. It was a pretty average offensive game, 15 turnovers for the Heat, uh, or sorry, for the Celtics. So when you look at all the stats, that's not what you'd expect um, to have in a conference finals game resulting in a, fi- a double-digit, a 13-point uh, win, y- you would maybe say that they could have scratched out a close game in the low 90s, like a 93-90 to 90 game, but the fact that they were able to beat the Heat by double digits on the road with that performance 
just didn't set a good tone for Miami for the rest of the series. And we were going to see that that ended up continuing through uh, game six and game seven. And really the heat, uh, I feel like they lost the series in game five when they had a good defensive performance and really held Boston down, but weren't able to put anything together for themselves. And this is not, it's not exactly a stellar defensive performance when you're talking about the heat who have high standards for that, but it was definitely good enough to win this game. Yeah. I was just going to point that out that uh, Miami losing a game where they only give up 93 points really, really hurts them. Um, and their half court offense was really the struggle for the entire postseason, and, and the only reason they didn't kill every team they played. And at home. Yeah. So you really you would think you're going to not have a, not have that kind of an offensive slump at home. So this game really hurt. Uh, looked like it swung the series, but then. Uh, well, but and I would like to mention last note before we do move on to Game Six. Uh, Boston continued their streak. They had not lost um, after they had not lost two consecutive games. I should say is the easiest way to phrase it. They were five and they were four and zero um, after a loss heading into this game. That became five and zero, and as we know now, later turned into six and zero. Uh, but into Game Six, uh, Miami won one eleven to one hundred three on the road. The key point in this game was at the end of the first half where. Miami was losing by a sizable amount, and uh, Boston, I mean, they I don't want to say they choked it, but they were up 46 to 42 with a minute and 50 seconds left, and I really felt they were controlling the game. Uh, and they and they in fact were down they were down 42 to 41 and made a little 5-0 spurt to take the lead. And then the heat end up ending the quarter on a 6-0 run at the end of the half, and all of a sudden, the Heat take the halftime lead, and they take the momentum. And by the end of the game, it, it, the Heat just already had a commanding lead. The Celtics tried to battle back. Uh, they kept it close the whole time. Uh, they took, they even took the lead with five minutes left, but uh, they, they they struggled to get back into the game after that. And the Heat just were better uh, in the closing time after it became ninety or sorry after it became ninety seven to ninety four. Uh, with the Celtics' lead, the Heat never gave up the lead again, and the closest it was was 99-99. to um, But after that, the Heat kept scoring and really just put the Celtics away before they had a chance to really come back in this game. Uh, so definitely the end of the quarters, very, very important for the Heat, and that was also important in Game 7, which I'll get to in a second. But this game, regardless of flow overall as a team... It was Jimmy Butler's game to take over uh, and, Kyle, and Kyle Lowry's game to flop a bunch and foul out, but he did that effectively, and Jimmy Butler just kept scoring 47 points, 9 rebounds, 8 assists on 16 of 29 shooting. He was even 4 for 8 from 3 despite being 2 of 8 in the series, or yeah, 2 of 8 in the series heading into this game. Uh, he actually broke LeBron's record for most points when facing elimination in Heat franchise history, uh, although if anything, it was just reminiscent of LeBron's game. I believe it was in 2010. It might have been in 2014, actually. But one of those two years where LeBron had 45 points and a triple-double against the Celtics in a Game 6 on the road at the Garden facing elimination. Uh, But he repeated the same performance, but obviously with a little bit of a weaker team. So it's not like we had as much of a, uh, you know, as much confidence with the Heat going forward in the series as, as probably people did with LeBron back then. But Kyle Lowry had 18 points, 10 assists. Uh, Tyler Hero didn't play in this game, so it was surprising to see the Heat pull it out. I, I really thought the Celtics had this wrapped up when I heard that he wasn't going to be playing. Uh, P.J. Tucker at 11, Max Struess had 13, 
he was, I think, one for his last 20 or something like that. I might have over-exaggerated that a little bit, but he was one for a lot of shots and hadn't made one in a while and made one prayer three and kept going, and he ended up with 11 points in the third quarter. That also helped Miami continue their second-half momentum or their momentum from the end of the first half into the second half. And uh, overall, 46% from the field, 43% from three. That's going to be enough for them to win that game. Uh, while the Celtics shot 33% from three, 44% from the field. It's decent, but not great. Derek White had 22 points. It was really, really hot at the end of this game. Uh, Jason Tatum had 30 points on 9 of 12 shooting, but not enough shots taken at the end of the game. I think he only had one attempt the entire fourth quarter, despite playing 45 minutes in this game. Uh, Robert Williams is also in double figures at 12 points. Marcus Smart had 14, and Jalen Brown had 20. Uh, but the real big factor was Derek White getting momentum in at the end of the game, and Jason Tatum having a good game the game before Game 7 in terms of what actually carried over. But in terms of Game 6, I really felt like the Celtics definitely could have closed the series out here. But, uh, you know, now looking back on it, they won't complain as much. But they definitely blew an opportunity here. Yeah, actually, I think uh, this whole series was, was... Neither team had that killer instinct. There were huge leads that disappear, let the other team come into the game or win the game. Although not, a lot of although a lot of wire to wire wins that were really big leads too I think got, yeah. well the Heat had a wire to wire win even though the end score was a single digit game but they led by twenty six and in game seven as we're gonna get to Boston won by four but the Heat closed on an eleven to two run and had an eleven zero run to make it a two point game so it was thirteen points with. No time with basically no time left in the game. So yeah, no, that's what I was saying. A lot of it's a common threat. Teams didn't have the, the killer instinct, whether it's defending your home court, etc. But I think there were only like six lead changes in the whole series, though. So not crazy. many, not many comebacks. Crazy. But it, and it's, it was the Jimmy Butler show. I think he himself said. Again, we've done a little foreshadowing, but we already said what happened in the series. He himself said when he has some trash games, his team doesn't win. He kind of had a trash game in Game Five. Had a really fantastic performance in Game Six. Um, and he also got injured in the middle of game four, so he really had two bad games in a row. So, so anyway, not, again, an impressive win on the road, not an impressive, not an impressive home performance from the home team in this series, leading us to game seven, uh, where Boston was able to win one hundred to ninety six. As I mentioned, the Heat end technically on an eleven to two run, but went on an eleven zero run to close it down all the way to ninety eight to ninety six. Uh, but again, the the most important thing was just that at the end of the second quarter. The Celtics had a massive lead, and they let the Heat get it too close again. Uh, it was thirty. It was thirty-two to seventeen at the end of the first quarter. It was thirty-seven to twenty-two at some point in the second. Uh, it was actually, I mean, actually, the lead got all the way up to fifty to thirty-four, but they just let the Heat come back, and all of a sudden, fifty to thirty-four turned into fifty-five to forty-nine, a fifteen to five run by the Heat to close the se- the first half. And all of a sudden, it was close again, and you really thought that Miami had the momentum going into the end of the game. But the Celtics just, all I was saying looking at the game was the Celtics just need to stay even in the third quarter or even lose the quarter by two or three points. And if they're able to do that, I thought they were going to be able to win the game. They won the third quarter by one point. They they, they, still, they quelled the, the Heat's momentum pretty well, uh, but... It looked like they hadn't for a while, and then at the very end of the game, when it really thought, when it really felt like the Celtics were wrapping it up, as Jason Tatum was rattling off shot after shot after shot, uh, they went up ninety-eight to eighty-five. Uh, they they but after they went up ninety-eight to eighty-five, the Heat closed it all the way to ninety-eight to ninety-six. 
uh, with, well, I was, I mean, it's reminiscent, frankly, of if you look at the box score, it's reminiscent of that game against Milwaukee where Marcus Smart had two missed shots and three turnovers in the last two minutes of the game, and they did end up losing that game. If you look at the box score, he missed. Marcus Smart got fouled, and after that, this is at 98 to 85. He made, but he made two free throws at 90 when it was 96 to 85, and after that, Marcus Smart missed. Marcus Smart missed three. Marcus Smart missed three. Uh, Grant Williams turnover. Marcus Smart missed three. Jalen Brown offensive foul. Marcus Smart missed layup. Marcus Smart makes two free throws. So every single possession from 221 on was a turnover or a Marcus Smart missed shot uh, until two free throws at the end of the game. And by the way, they're lucky he got the free throws because Jimmy Butler took what can only be described as an ill-advised three. And I'm only saying it's ill-advised because that's not his game to shoot pull-up threes. But, you know, killer, but, but killer Instinct takes over, and he did what he did. And, you know, he said going back he probably wouldn't change it. He explained why, and I think there there's rationale on both sides of it. I don't necessarily think it was a bad shot, uh, but I think just based on the situation with the defender in front of him being Al Horford you feel like he could have, maybe best case scenario, even gotten an N1 uh, on an easy layup, and worst case scenario, at least gotten by him or gotten into the general paint area where he's really, really a killer uh, and gotten at least a two-point look that he would like much better than the pull-up three that he shot. But I, I still am not, I'm not exactly, I don't really have a side on whether it was a bad shot, a good shot, whether I support it or not. Uh, but there's definitely arguments for both sides for sure. Uh, but in the end, missed the shot. Jalen Brown tapped it out, and uh, Marcus Smart ended up making the two free throws to ice the game. Yeah, I, I think in the moment, I mean, you and I both said, I said it while watching the game, he should, he, why is he taking a three? He should have driven the lane. Because they were trying to cap a comeback, and to me it felt like had they tied the game, yeah, the only feel like they had the lead. The only thing is that, yeah, the only thing is that the the argument that really only favors the, th- the not taking the three is that a tie to them after they were on an eleven to nothing run. If you go on a thirteen to nothing run going into overtime, that's what that I'm looks saying. pretty good for you. Which is uh, that that's that's the main thing that's carrying that whole argument. But I honestly think if they maybe weren't on a massive run and this was just a back and forth game, most people would not be upset with that shot at all. Uh, but you know, it's about the situation. But talking about more individual contributions, uh, Kyle Lowry really showed up in the second in really the second uh, back end of the series, but. First end, not so much, but Tyler Hero only played seven minutes in this game, didn't play the whole second half. I don't exactly know what was going on there. Uh, the Heat have had a lot of mysterious injuries all year, and they are very they keep the, that news very close to the vest, so it's hard to know what's going on, but uh, he did not. He was not able to play that much. But uh, overall, the Heat shot 20% from the three-point line. That was really their downfall. The Celtics shot just good enough at 34.4% from three to take advantage of the fact that they only took two more shots than the Heat but made five extra threes, and then also uh, they had four scorers and double figures, three guys with 24 points or more. Marcus Smart had 24 points on 8 of 22 shooting. Jalen Brown had 24 points on 8 of 15 shooting, and Jason Tatum had 26 points, 10 rebounds, and 6 assists on 9 of 21 shooting as he was crowned the Larry Bird Conference Finals MVP, although I will say Marcus Smart should not be shooting more shots than Jalen Brown. Uh, That just... Period. I don't need to go any more past that. He is the defensive player of the year. He's earned the right to take a lot of shots, but not more than their stars in a, in a playoff game this important. Uh, Jason Tatum did not take a shot in the final two 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 and a half minutes. 
Jalen Brown did take a shot. He did have an offensive foul. So, I mean, th- there is that. But uh, he, he had his possession. But Jason Tatum didn't have the ball in his hands enough. And, and Marcus Smart's shots were not only just... It's not like... Some of them were kick-out threes, and some of them were just not good shots. Uh, but overall, it was just enough for the Celtics to stave off the... Uh, I almost said the fighting butlers, but <laughs> the Jimmy Butler in the heat. He had 35 points, didn't uh, didn't sit a minute in the entire game, 13 of 24 shooting. Bam Adebayo finally had a really good game at the end of the series, 25 points, 11 rebounds, 12 of 21. If this was a nine-game series, maybe the Heat would have won, but uh, they just only got their contributions to show up right at the end. All right, well, let's move over to the Western Conference Finals to see who the Celtics would face in the NBA Finals. Well, I think we all knew this was going to happen, whether you were a time traveler, a predictor, a sports fan, a uh, casual observer, a Twitter fan, the Warriors were going to win this series. They did it a lot quicker than I, well, I would say than I thought, but I'll say than I expressed because I did think that the Warriors were maybe going to sweep, but I never want to say that because, you know, you got to cover your bases and not look like an idiot when the other team happens to win. Uh, But overall... The Warriors did win the series. Uh, game four, Dallas won 119-109 to to avoid the sweep. But even this game, this was probably the most unconvincing win I've ever seen because they were winning by a lot in this game. And they let the bench unit against their starters come back and almost ruin the game. Uh, I don't know how big their lead was. I think at some point it was 29 and it was on pace to be the biggest comeback of all time. Uh, but... I'm actually going to check that right now. It was, yeah, it was 29. Um, and they, I mean, that that 29-point lead was pretty late in the game. It's not like it was an early lead. Uh, by halftime, the Mavericks were up 62-47. to 47. So this is a game they should have easily won. Uh, they were up, what I mean, what even was the 29-point lead? I mean, they were up 83-58. to 58. That was already bad enough. Uh, but at the end of the first, yeah, it was at the end of the third quarter, they were up 99-70. to 70 going into the fourth quarter. So the fact that this game even got to 119-109 was just a bad sign of things to come for the Mavericks as the bench unit of the Warriors kind of played their way back into the game. And really, you look at the contributions, it it was important because in Game 7, the Warriors started to trust some of those players that played a lot at the end of the game. Or sorry, Game 5, yeah. I always think closeout game. So yeah, Game 5, a very early closeout game. Uh, They started to trust some of those players that were in the game, uh, namely... Nemanja Bjelica and Jonathan Kaminga a little bit, and definitely Moses Moody. Uh, but Jordan Poole, Moses Moody, Damian Lee, uh, Kaminga, and Bjelica were the five guys that were on the floor pretty much all the second half, uh, leading the Warriors' charge back into the game. Uh, Steph Curry had 20. I mean, the Warriors had a lot of double-figure scores. They actually had seven in this game. But Draymond had 10, 6, and 6. Andrew Wiggins had 13. Steph had 20. Clay had 12. Kuminga had 17 and 8, Poole had 14 and 4, uh, but fouled out in the game eventually, and Moses Moody had 10 off the bench uh, to help them get back into this game. But overall, it was not exactly what you expected to see from the Warriors, but, you know, at the end of the game, they they kind of got back into it. I was surprised that their bench unit was playing so well against, really, the Mavericks' actual starters, but in the end, it did end up that way. Uh, but the Mavericks had a good game from Luka, 30 points, 14 rebounds, 9 assists. Uh, Maxi Kleba had 13 points and 8 rebounds. Spencer Dinwiddie had 10 points and 8 assists. Um, and then Dorian Finney-Smith had 23 points on 9 of 13 shooting. 
Reggie Bullock had was six of ten from the floor with eighteen points. Uh, and as a team, they shot forty six and a half percent from three, twenty of forty three, fifty percent from the floor. Uh, despite the Warriors shooting forty nine percent and thirty five point seven percent from three, which is average, uh, they were still able to win this game. And really, it just goes to show you when the Mavericks can hit their threes, they are a very good team. But most of the time in the series, I would say at least three games out of five, and then another one of the games where they lost, they shot okay. They were not able to do so, and that was really their downfall. Yeah, I mean, Golden State said it, or Steph Curry said it. Oh, we're playing with house money in game four. Uh, and they actually, You never want to have a player say that. Yeah, he said it before the game. That's why, that's why I said they'd win in five. Um, and uh, they were playing with house money, and then they just decided to goof around with the zone defense, and it worked to get them back into the game. But this game, they were playing the zone occasionally, though, in the series when they had Wiggins out to, to stop Luka because they didn't feel like they had anybody to guard him one-on-one, which kind of made sense. I, I never but say it was a team interesting. takes another team for granted or he you know, isn't going to try to win a game, but it seemed like it, when they got at some point they got behind, they're like, ah, we should just you know take it easy, rest rest ourselves, let's win this at home. Um, so uh, Yeah, I feel like they would have had a better response coming out of the halftime in a normal game when they were down 15. It felt like they just kind of accepted their fate in a way, or at least the starters did, while the bench unit was playing for minutes. And as we saw, that was important going into Game 7, because in Game 7... or Sorry, I keep saying that. Uh, In Game 5, the Warriors won 120 to 110. And when you look at the minutes, Nemanja Bielitsa played 22 minutes, and Moses Moody played 11, really changing up the unit that the Warriors had been playing. Uh, Moody had already been been getting some minutes because of the fact that Otto Porter... I uh, was injured, but the Warriors have really played a very tight rotation. Uh, and they ended up with six double-figure scores in this game. Klay Thompson looked like game six Clay a game early. Uh, 32 points uh, on 12 of 25 shooting. And uh, Steph Curry had 15 points and nine assists. Really a quiet game from him. Five of 17 shooting, but look, when Thompson was doing what he was doing, all he needed to do was feed him the ball. Draymond had 17 points, nine assists, and six rebounds. Uh, Andrew Wiggins and Kevon Looney had double-doubles, actually flipped totals of each other. Wiggins had 18 points and 10 rebounds, while Looney had 10 points and 18 rebounds. Uh, And in the end, the Warriors were able to pull it out, shot 38.9% from the three, 51.1% from the field, uh, and were able to limit their turnovers just to 10, while the Mavericks also limited them only at 7. But look, the Warriors just kind of outplayed them in this whole game. It just felt like they couldn't lose. They shot 100% from the free throw line, uh, while the Mavericks shot 16 of, or sorry, 19 of 25. And even though they shot 40% from the three-point line, it just wasn't enough, uh, just based on how the Warriors were playing. Especially because Luca had a very inefficient 10 of 28 day, even though he did score 28 points. And Dinwiddie played his heart out in this game, adding in 26 points uh, for Dallas, but only Brunson and Finney Smith with 10 points and 13 points were the only other guys in double figures. And the Warriors really just kind of asked any other guy to beat them other than Luka. And in the end, the Mavericks could not make their shots. Um, And, well, actually, they kind of let Luka try to beat them, and it didn't really work for him. Uh, But the Mavericks really didn't make their shots until super late in the game. And uh, when when you look at it, this game was over. The 10-point lead suggests that it was a close game, but the Warriors were up by 25. The Mavericks never led uh, in the entire game, and... You know, it wasn't the Mavericks' day to win. And uh, at the end of the second quarter, I think it was obvious that the Warriors were going to win. The Mavericks outscored them by seven in the second half, but that 17-point halftime lead pretty much sealed the Mavericks' fate. No matter how well they shot in the second half, the Warriors were going to have at least enough of an answer to win the game. 
and they didn't even really let it get close either. All right, well, so the Warriors uh, head to the NBA Finals, I believe, for the sixth time in eight years. Pretty amazing accomplishment. Do you want to have a, a little prediction here of the NBA Finals? I think this will be a good series. I think it will be better than some people expect. Um, I like think me. that... What? Like me? Probably. Um, I think that the Heat had zero chance of beating the Warriors just because of an overall lack of star star power. I just think that in that series, the Warriors would have Steph being the best player on the floor, honestly. No disrespect to Jimmy Butler, but if he plays like he has been playing in some games and he really caught fire... He would be. He could be the best player in the finals, um, and it, I feel like it would kind of end up looking like the Lakers series did with the Heat, where you know it was a six-game series, but you never felt like the Heat could have won. I'm obviously talking about the bubble series, uh, but I, I do think that the Warriors are going to win. I'll say they win it in six. Um, I think they'll be able to close out on the road, and that might mean that they even close it out in a sweep. I don't think a sweep is happening. Uh, I think the Celtics are too good to go out that easily. And while I don't think they can win at uh, at the Chase Center, I do think that they're going to know the, how hard it is to win at the Chase Center. So they'll take their home games really, they will not take those home games for granted, win both of them, and force it to six, and then the Warriors will hit the kill switch before they let it get to seven. Uh, but I do believe that the Celtics are a much, 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 much better matchup for the uh, for. <laughs> For the Warriors, and I even think that when Draymond went on the set on NBA on TNT and they asked him, who do you want to play? And he said, well, I'll tell you who we will play. We will play Boston. I think he wanted the Heat to win because I think he knew that if the Heat won, that series was going to be over so fast uh, that he didn't even need to worry about it. I think they definitely are a little bit more worried about the Celtics. I'd say if it was the Warriors versus the Heat, I might actually pick a sweep in that series, but... The Celtics are going to put up a fight. Give me Warriors in six, though, still. Okay, and I, I don't know what Vegas, if they have an over-under on it, but I imagine like it's probably five and a half, five and a half is yeah. what I would say. So the question is, is it probably. five, is it six? Although, know. honestly, overall, I think the series odds are the Warriors are like minus 160 and the Celtics are plus 140 or something okay. like that. So it's not even as bad as you would think it would That's be. That's crazy. But, anyway, um, or maybe plus 180, I don't know, something I, like I'm that. I'm going to go with uh, Golden State five just because that lack of killer instinct that I saw from the Celtics in the Miami series. If they do that against the Warriors, they're gonna, there's going to be a game that they should have won that they will lose. Uh, Warriors Warriors did it to uh Yeah, the Dallas. Warriors, op- by the way, the Warriors open as minus 160, Celtics plus 140. So I was wow. almost right. Wow. Well, I should go to Vegas. And a uh, uh, three-point favorite in game one. So there's yeah, that. Well, I think that uh, if the Celtics do what they did against the Heat, uh, they there will be a game that they, they let slip away that they should win. Otherwise, it would be a six-game series. So I'm going with... Golden State in five. I also think that while the Celtics have a lot of playoff experience, even Al Horford, the most seasoned vet on the team, will be making his first finals appearance. The Warriors are making their sixth finals appearance in eight years, and they've had the same core three players the whole time. Uh, Iguodala might even come back from injury and help them, and he might be back in the rotation. Otto Porter might get healthier as they've now had, what, like a week off at least, heading into Thursday uh, at this point. You might get Gary Por- Gary Payton might come back. People forget that, you know, Dylan Brooks knocked him out of the playoffs seemingly for the whole time uh, in that Memphis series. He might come back. So if they get all those guys back, they're going to be really hard to beat. But I, I do like Boston's size and, you know, the overall shot making of Tatum and Brown to get hot for a few games and at least steal a few. But I do agree with you that overall the experience that the Warriors have in the finals, in the biggest moment of them all, 
is going to carry them through and, and end up with a series win for them. Okay, well, as you mentioned, that uh, series starts on Thursday, so we'll be talking about that in future podcasts, but that wraps this edition of the 4th and 24 podcast. Please be sure to check out our next podcast, which will be on Friday, June 3rd, where we will have our weekly deep dive into Major League Baseball. In the meantime, please be sure to check out Patrick's additional content, including his picks for next weekend's games, which, as we mentioned, are published on Thursdays, and his Major League Baseball power rankings that will be updated tomorrow. All of that content on our website, 4thand24.com. That's the number 4, T-H-A-N-D, the number 24.com. Thank you for listening.